Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the concealedcarry.com network brought to you by XS Sites. I recently took my Glock 19 MOS to a course this past weekend, and when the optic failed during shooting, I was instantly able to use my suppressor sights and continue on thanks to XS Sites. I love their all-metal construction, quick sight acquisition when your optic goes out, and their 10-year warranty, all made in the USA. Today, we'll be talking about differences between teaching civilian and law enforcement students. We bring you this podcast, support the industry, the second amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor out there in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the firearms trainers association, visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Excess Sites. Excess Sites are American made in Fort Worth, Texas from start to finish. Our CNC machined in house from solid steel bar stock for high reliability. And before we jump into this episode, special shout out to one of our listeners and a fantastic shooter, by the way, Jordan who happened to go along and beat me by one point at the MAG-40 course in Sioux Falls this past weekend. And also, like to call out to the Plate Society podcast, who organized the event and made it a very fun time. Today, we are joined by Haney Mahmood. Welcome, Haney. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, sir. Great. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the, on the podcast and giving us your experience, knowledge, uh, wealth of information there heard you many times with uh, brian eastridge on the off-duty on-duty podcast so it's a real honor to have you on our podcast um I, um i'm i'm thankful to be here um you know i'm not sure brian and i ever impart any knowledge but we seem to have fun <laughs> doing it so um <laughs> they've been very entertaining you know and, and i've got knowledge out of it so that's uh i'll, I'll leave it at that so. okay well, hey, Andy, for those listeners who maybe haven't heard you on off-duty, on-duty, can you give uh, or give them a little bit of your background and what you do in the firearm industry? Okay. Um, well, what I do now is I'm a full-time firearms instructor uh, at a regional police academy. That is now my full-time gig. So, um, you know, I, I was an active, uh, you know, everyday uh, go to work law enforcement job for 17 years, I think. And about five years ago, um, the regional academy that is nearby where I had been an adjunct instructor for probably about 10 or 11 years, um, you know, they wanted, uh, they had, we had just uh, built a brand new, uh, excellent facility. I hesitate to tell you how many million dollars it costs. Uh, but, um, uh, they, um, they built an excellent, uh, training facility. Uh, uh, it's got two ranges indoors, uh, 50 yards by 50 yards. And then we have a second part that is 100 yards deep all indoors. And, wow. uh, so, uh, they, they made me an offer to, uh, become, uh, the other, um, full-time range master coordinator instructor. There are two of us there that are there full-time. And I started doing that, um, five years ago. So, uh, at, you know, so even though my paycheck is now paid by a college because that's where the regional Academy is. Um, I, I think, you know, so it's basically been 22 years of full-time, um, law enforcement work in various capacities. Um, now, do you, now do you train just the Academy, uh, police officers that are coming through or are you doing the annual refreshers and, uh, in service type of training? Ah, well, there's a difference between the two. So we don't do, uh, like qualifications, okay. um, agencies lease our facility mm -hmm. when we're not teaching. So we probably have 30 agencies that we book throughout the year the range both almost both ranges are almost in use every day whether we're on it teaching or whether uh an agency is doing their own training and by training i mean actual training or whether they're there to uh conduct qualifications okay so e everything is going on so what i do 
is instructing and basically it's uh, uh, instruction for the academy. So these are cadets receiving their um, roughly 50 hours of firearms training. Then we teach uh, in-service classes that are, um, these are working officers who are there to actually uh, take a class. Like uh, maybe they're taking a patrol rifle certification course or covert carry or um, um, some type of handgun course or something like that. And then the third thing we do is we actually teach instructor courses. So if, if you're a law enforcement officer and your agency decides that they would like you to become a firearms instructor, um, we teach the, uh, the state-mandated um, firearms instructor course. And we do that maybe three times a year. And then um, that, 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 that's basically it with, with a little variation. So, for instance, um, this week, what we're doing is we're teaching a three-day firearms instructor update which is not required. It's not a licensing issue. Everybody in there has already been a licensed uh, police firearms instructor for some of them five years, some of them 20 years. Uh, but they're there to basically see how we do things and kind of maybe get a refresher um, as an instructor. So I, 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 I pretty much get to participate in all facets. So it, it, it's been, teaching has been an education. How's that? Well, that's good. That's really good. Cause that gives you, some, it gives us uh, some great perspective here because as uh, we did on the intro, we've got a uh, request from a, one of our listeners, Michael J and he's a certified, uh, USCCA NRA instructor, but he was really, he asked a question and he wanted to bring up on the podcast. And I thought you'd be good to answer this okay. is what makes a good instructor. I mean, do you want, you know, a combat veteran, you know, from, you know, the law enforcement, is that the best instructor? Or do you want, you know, a civilian instructor who maybe have, haven't been on the streets as much, but, you know, had gone to a lot of schools, done a lot of, uh, their own homework and, to, and getting instruction and understanding how, how concealed carry works. Um, so he, he sent that question in and wanted to uh, pose that to you. So what's your thought okay. about what makes a good instructor? Okay. Um, it's, it's not a simple answer, but, but let's keep, let's try to make it as simple as possible. So what makes a good instructor? What makes a good instructor is a person with a good knowledge based on the material that they are uh, teaching and they have the ability to impart it. And I know that sounds really basic, but that that's essentially it in a nutshell what makes a good instructor. And um, that can be a person with law enforcement experience um, or, or not. It all depends on what they're teaching and, um, and how good they are at imparting what they've learned and how good it, uh, or how good is the level of the training that they went to uh, for them to be where they are today. Mm -hmm. that's what determines it. It's, it's not a simple, um, you know, am I choosing red or black on the blackjack table, law enforcement or non-law enforcement? Right. Well, as I always go along, one of the analogies I use is, you know, people always talk about experience. You know, I want somebody mm -hmm. who's been in a gunfight. I want things like that. But at the same time, if you were a, uh, on the bomb squad, you don't mm -hmm. want to go along and ha have the guy who's gone along and had a couple bombs blow on, up on him, you know? Uh, you know, that, you know, he's obviously not doing something right to begin with and not to critique anybody who does have experience, but it's one of those yeah. to where if you've got the good knowledge base, as you call it, and can impart that on the students, because, you know, we've all seen great athletes that have been able to go along, perform at extremely high levels, but can they coach and show yeah. somebody who is, it doesn't have the same talents on how to do the same thing they are. If they don't, have that ability to see them minutia and be able to go along and turn the lights on for those students. That's where it gets really difficult. I think in my mind, um, no matter what the person's skill level is, if they can't go along and get those lights to turn on for their students, you know, something's missing there. Uh, I agree with you. And, and, um, there are instructors that, um, ha have a very, uh, high skill level, but they don't, um, it's not a personality thing. I think it's a communication thing. 
Mm-hmm. So basically it's, um, do they know what they're doing in terms of what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it? Or are they just good and, and it just comes out and they perform, but they can't break it down and explain it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen that a fair bit where they, you know, they can, they just do it and they go, they kind of look at you and go, now do it like that. Well, that, yeah. that watch that, me and hard do, do it. I can't really go along and tell you how I'm gripping it or how I'm pressing the trigger, but yeah. just do it like I'm doing it. And they, again, you know, they can't tell you to be able to do those slight little things because yeah, what's the difference, uh, you know, between, you know, a beginner and an expert level and I'll, you know, steal uh, something from Mike Seekland or from when he was on the experts just are able to execute the basics better than the beginning students. And that's one of those things that if you can't go along and, you know, tell them what those basic things are and how to do them better, then, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to advance as far as they want to, or you, you would want them to. I agree. Uh, I see that usually more often, uh, with guys that are only instructing for their agency Mm -hmm. because you can't really do it that much outside of your agency people aren't going to take it they're, they're the ones that we affectionately refer to as the suck less instructors uh <laughs> hey well ha- well it came out like this so um you know what do i what do i do well suck less okay well i'll try to suck less mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not really a roadmap for me so we yeah. sometimes call them that you know yeah. And if all they're worried about is getting you through the range qualification, you know, the, the quarterly or annually, whatever range qualification mm-hmm. is, then you don't have to be great. You just have to suck less than the other person. Yeah. And, and, and really it's, it's, it's an, it's in a bunch of areas. It, it, they might just be interested in <clears throat> getting, uh, you know, the flock through the necessary, it's time to qualify and we need to get it done. Or they may actually be trying to do actual training, and um, but still perhaps lack the ability. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's motivation, but sometimes it's um, they don't really have it to impart. Um, and so it, you know, I, I I perhaps should elaborate on the word word training because it's important. Because like here in Texas, you going to qualify is not training. So as a peace officer, you're required to to do 40 hours of training every two years. Now, some of that 40 hours is mandated. Like, let's say uh, you have to take the legislative update class. Or uh, this is the special topic that we want in this two-year block. Like, um, it can be human trafficking. It can be whatever. Now, the rest of it, the hours, are are training. Get some training. Mm Mm-hmm. When your agency tells you to show up at three o'clock on Thursday and it takes a couple hours to get everything sorted out and everybody calls, that two hours is not reportable as training. So we, we always make the distinction of, are you qualifying or are you training? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And, and it's a simple distinction for us is, is that reportable or is that not? Reportable is I have a lesson plan. Uh, this is what they are. um, We are going to try to teach them. And this is the test for it. And so on. If it's a matter of just doing a qualification, that's a qualification. It's not training. So when we ask people often in class, well, how often do y'all train? They go, oh, once or twice a year. But if we ask the question one deeper, no, they're actually not training at all. What they're doing is they're qualifying once or twice a year. Mm. And to me, uh, uh, that's significant. And fortunately, in Texas, uh, that that's actually a legal issue. Like I, I can't report that as training. That that's that's just. So what I tell people is the way that's usually done is you know you go and shoot, and if you don't do well, they usually hand you fifty more rounds. And say okay, let's do that again, right? And you do that mm-hmm. two or three times, and then you pass. So when we're teaching instructors, we tell them you know the call is essentially. When you go to the doctor and he sticks a thermometer in your mouth, he takes your temperature, takes it, takes it out and goes, well, you appear to be sick. Mm-hmm. The solution is not to stick the thermometer back in your mouth. Wait two minutes ago. 
still sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but most of the time, that's kind of what happens. It's like, well, okay, you know, show them a couple things and run them through again. You know, maybe by the second or third time, they've kind of warmed up enough. Maybe they got a little bit of instruction and they give you the minimum. It's like, done, next. And that's not training. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. That's, a, that's, that's one of those things where, um, you know, and there's a lot of topics, you know, uh, that when it comes to training that are, you know, important. You know, we have firearm skills. Um, sure. you know, we, we've talked about on, on the podcast before when it comes to, you know, hand to hand skills, um, you know, more important to police maybe than civilian carriers, but still at the same time, uh, if you don't have some hand to hand skills to be able to defend yourself, yeah. control your, your, uh, firearm, uh, those types of, uh, skills, then you could be in a very compromised position very quickly. And you don't have to be some he-man to be able to have some, you know, grappling skills. You just have, yeah. have to have some skills to know how to, um, how to how to keep yourself from getting getting locked up for it? Um, uh, if you haven't um, uh, met or interviewed Cecil Birch, I suggest you do. So he's on, uh, he's Cecil, on my short list. He, he, and, and the reason I bring him up is other than he's a really cool guy, but like Cecil teaches a uh, amongst the other things that he teaches, he teaches like a two day back to back and. One day, he calls it immediate action pugilism. And one day, immediate action grappling. So it, it, it's a weekend. And it's a tough weekend. But it's a weekend. And basically, so obviously, the pugilism part is boxing. And he teaches you the basics of boxing. But most importantly, how do you just not get sucker punched and laid out with one punch? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with grappling is that it's not that you're going to leave with a, you know, with a bunch of uh, uh, submissions or whatever, but the basics of grappling are, ba- are essentially takedowns and then some kind of a submission or whatever. And um, uh, what do those consist of and what, what can you do to mitigate them? Whether you don't get further along, um, you know, in it, uh, y- you you get a, a, a very good um, basic of how to mitigate a strike against you and how to strike and how to mitigate, uh, you know, being taken to the ground and having somebody, you know, who's a very good grappler or, you know what? He doesn't have to be a good grappler. He could have been a wrestler, you know, in the 10th grade and likely he can take you down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Really? It's simple as that. Now, if you can deal with that, you're, you're really you're really ahead of the curve. So um, I think that uh, Cecil uh, does a very good job of that because he kind of refined it down to its essence of th- these are your must knows. So, yep. Those, rather those. than telling somebody, hey, you really need to take up jujitsu, or hey, you really need to take up boxing, or or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you need to go do training once a week on this topic or that topic, and okay, right. I'm already going out one night a week to go shooting. I'm going to do right. uh, one night a week to do BJJ, and yeah, it just keeps adding on to it. Yep, yep. Yeah, the the other thing I know um, we recommend a lot of people get training on is uh, trauma medicine. You know, some kind of basic yeah. trauma care because let's put it this way: if you're going to be prepared for a violent confrontation you got to be prepared for what happens after it too. And that is, you know, you've got cuts, you've got bullet holes or somebody in your, you know, a loved one, you know, has, has, you know, one of those problems. And last thing you want to do is have to be waiting for the paramedics to get there, which, um, met in metro areas might be a couple minutes, but as I always point out, when you, when you can lead out, uh, you know, bleed out in three minutes, um, yes. going along and telling you that, Hey, it's going to be five minutes before the paramedics get here does not give you, you know, peace of mind. And that's where having some basic trauma skills to be able to go along and keep the fluids inside, uh, can definitely, you know, keep people more alive and, you know, before they get to the hospital. Uh, I agree. And, and, you know, that's something I kind of touch base with and go back to every few years and kind of, you know, relook at my, my gear. Um, what have I learned new? Um, um has has the doctrine changed that's happened in my mm-hmm. career things like that um i think what overwhelms some people 
is they look at it and they go, look, I don't have the time nor the inclination to, um, you know, become a really, really proficient, good shooter. Uh, what I want to do is be safe, be able to use it effectively, and so on. Uh, and with everything else like that. Well, look, I want to, I, I want to know how to, um, you know, basic medical care that can really make a difference. And but oftentimes people kind of overthink it and go, look, I don't have time for you know this that look i can't become a paramedic and a cop and a and a martial arts fighter and a this and a that the reality is you don't have to mm -hmm. so let's let's not overthink it you know right. well I, like you were saying uh boiling it down to the essence i mean we don't yeah. all have to be grandmasters in order right. to be competent with a firearm, but we've got to be safe. With Absolutely. It. We got, you know, we yeah. got to know when and where to do it when it comes to grappling. We don't, you know, we don't need to be, you know, be BJJ black belt, but at the same no. time we need to know, you know, as you said, you know, how to break some of those locks and do different things like that, keep ourselves from getting jammed up. And then yep. even when it comes to the, to the medicine, um, you know, trauma medicine, you know, if you just focus on simple things, you know, like, you know, how do you stop bleeding, you know, tourniquets and those, um, not real complicated. And, you know, and, you know, you pick up the phone call 911, which, you know, if you get into a violent confrontation, you're, that's what you're going to be doing anyway, is call 911 for it. So. Um, th those are all pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are, you know, puzzles within puzzles. So let's say with firearms, um, what I've noticed over the years. So I, I've considered myself like a, a fairly serious shooter working at being a good shooter for just over 30 years now I, I i started like when i was 20 i was really interested uh you know i i started shooting local matches when i was in college at, in arizona and uh, uh and so on and and you know i was kind of a gun nerd so uh etc and the thing is is that that's something i had a huge interest in not everybody needs that. But with even within that, what I've noticed is like guys who are fast, they work on getting faster. Mm -hmm. Guys that are accurate tend to say, you know, speed's not that important. It's all about accuracy. And there's a thousand of those cliches. And the fact is, it's like, you know, um, what we tell people when, we, when we're teaching instructors, it's like, okay, uh, whether, you know, it's, let's say it's out of a duty holster. Um, this is a, so let's look at it from a law enforcement reference, just so that my numbers are accurate. Uh, you know, if you can draw and make a good hit at seven yards in under two seconds from a security holster, you're doing pretty well. Now, are there some of us that are down at about the one, two, five out of a security holster? Some of us are, some of us aren't, but here's the thing is that if I'm giving a good solid draw that doesn't fumble and I make a hit in point, uh, 1.75, there are only a limited amount of training hours in the day. Mm -hmm. There's only a limited amount of time, ammo, you name it. So do I continue to try to shave down that 1.75 because I like to? Or do I think about it and go, yeah, I can't hit anything with my left hand. I can't hit a thing. Well, what, you know, why don't you spend a little bit of time on that. Or how about just one-handed shooting, either strong hand or weekend? Or how's your distance shooting? Or or any one of a bunch of stuff. But mm -hmm. what I, my point is, we tend to practice what we're good at. And we like it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know guys, it's like, man, I've got my splits down to 0.17. Well, damn, that, that's impressive. I can't do it. But, you know, how well do you do this other skill? And if it's like, not well at all. Oftentimes people rationalize and go, yeah, well, I don't think that's very important. Well, okay. Then, you know, um, okay. Then, you know, do, do whatever you think is best and, and mm -hmm. so on. So it's kind of puzzles within puzzles. So just within shooting, it's like, I, I found that people kind of gravitate towards the parts that they're good at. And then they just keep working on them harder. It's like, yeah, you know, if you got even better and better and better at it, that's great. But are you, are you at least proficient in the other parts that you don't like? Mm -hmm. Now, 
that's the one puzzle. Then outside that puzzle, you know, like medical. Okay. Look, that's not fun. It's not a fun weekend, you know, taking a class like that. No, you do not have to, you know, reach the seven. Can you do a chest seal? Do you know how to add pressure? Do you know how to do a tourniquet? Mm-hmm. Do you know how to, what position to put somebody in, et cetera, et cetera. Next is like hand-to-hand stuff. Okay, look, some of us just do not like sweating on the ground with other people on a mat, you know, several days a week. And I'm one of them. I, I, I've done it. I've done it for, I think the longest I ever done it at a time was probably a year and a half, but then I'd stop. And then five years later, I'd go back to it. But at least I, I kind of like kept that area at, at a certain level. And mm-hmm. so it's all pieces of the puzzle. And, and it's not fun, you know, to work on those things. Yeah. It's, it's never fun to work on the things that you're not good at. Because you yeah. know, you go lines like I suck, but at the yeah. same time, like you said, you know, if I shoot with my with my strong hand, and I'm like, wow, I'm really good, but my weak hand is even horrible. What's going to happen? Yeah, I'm going to go yeah. along and have an injury on my hand, and then I'm going to be that much worse when I'm trying to defend myself with my uh, with my uh, weak hand. And those yeah. those are things that um, you know, sound advice there, very sound advice. Uh, and um, one 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 more thing that just occurred to me. Um, the thing that I liked about Cecil's class mm-hmm. is that it's all about, uh, cheating. So, uh, you, you have a, uh, a plastic blue gun and you have a dummy knife on you while you're grappling. So his point is, this is not a grappling adventure. You're not grappling for the fun of it. You're grappling right now. Cause you have to grapple. Now, am I in a position of advantage that I can now draw a pistol? Draw the pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I in a position of advantage now to where drawing a blade will get me out of this? That's fair game. Just know when to get to, you know, know when it's right to get to it. And so by mixing those in there, it's not like saying, oh, that's no fair. You stabbed them. No, he thinks that's fair. His attitude is just know when you're now in a secure enough position that you can grab that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when whenever you're in a fight, it's going to be an unfair fight because somebody, you know, the other person's decided yeah. to, you know, instigate it, which means they've caught you off guard. And it's, you know, right. and that's where it's like, you know, there is no cheating in a fight. It's, you know, whatever yeah. you got to do to win. And, you know, knife, gun, hand, you know, as I've, uh, you know, instructed my daughter when she was younger and things like that. I mean, you know, yeah. go, go for somebody's eyes, ears. Th- those types of things, you know, she's a yeah. very, very small girl at the time. And it's like, you know, somebody my size, you know, Hey, I, my nose, my ears, my eyes, they're just as tender as everybody yep. else. And, um, you, you know, you can make a big, big guy go his knees very quickly by doing those, those types of things. And Absolutely. again, you know, there's no cheating in a fight, you know, it's whoever wins. For, uh, unless it, it is the fight is is just for sporting purposes yeah true if, yeah, yeah. if it's sporting there there are rules but yep. there are no rules in a uh you know in a violent confrontation i'm going to go along and come up from behind on you i'm going to you know hit you with a rock i'm going to surprise you i'm going to have you know friends i'm going to have you know all these things that you would normally say that you know hey that's not that's not part of the rules but you know yeah. violent confrontation guess what you have, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to be cheating the whole time. So you've, you've got to up your game and realize what some of those shortcuts are in order to, um, get, get the momentum on your side. So a question for you, uh, Hanny, um, what do you think about the people that want to brag about all their experience when they're instructors? You know, what, what's, I mean, you know, I t- we talked about before a little bit about, you know, the explosive ordinance technicians, you know, you don't want the ones that, you know, keep setting off bombs for it. But at right. the same time, I think, you know, sometimes people like to have the bravado saying, well, I've been in X number of, uh, shootouts or I've done right. this or I've done that. And there's some things that, Hey, you probably couldn't get out of, but at the same time, there's probably a lot to say about to the person who's like, you know, I was in this confrontation and then I was able to, you know, talk my way out of it. I was able to, yeah. you know, create distance. I was going to do all these things to my advantage. And, you know, I'm standing here in front of you today because I was uh, smart about it. What are your thoughts on it? Um, well, you know, I, I was blessed with uh, going to work for an agency. Uh, that had a a lot of guys that were a lot older than me, and so 
I saw and dealt with and were trained by and not formally mentored by, but indirectly they, they became my mentors. And I saw the gamut. I saw the gamut of the guys who would brag about this or that or this or that. Uh, and they could have been, you know, uh, deadly force deals. And then there are guys where I may have known them for a few years before I ever heard that. And so when they thought there was a lesson there that was valuable, they shared something. And otherwise, it's, it, it's, they, they don't do it to brag. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've seen every kind. I am naturally disinclined uh, to the people who are doing it as bragging uh, because I, I think I learned this from Tom Givens where he said, uh, I think, I think I learned this from Tom where he said, uh, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from a lot of bad judgment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of true. Like I've got a lot of experience. See? Mm-hmm. That's because I made a lot of stupid decisions when I was young, you know. Uh, like you should not have done that, but I did, and so on. Um, so, so a, I don't think it's good. B, I don't like it. However, here's the thing: the thing is, is some students actually like that, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether it is like they're living vicariously through them, or perhaps. Um, the training experience for them is kind of like uh, fantasy baseball camp. So you get to go to baseball camp and swing a bat with retired baseball players and feel like you're a major leaguer. And and I think some instructors are merely um, providing what their clientele wants. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. And they, they want to hear stuff like that and so on. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of all of the above uh, that, that I, I've seen. And, and like I said, sometimes it's a, what I see as a personality flaw. And, um, and in, in some cases, and in other cases, I think they're just catering to the audience. Um, and, 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 and they keep getting students because they, mm-hmm. li- they like it. But um, good marketing. Know, I, I, Oh, absolutely. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, um, you know, I, 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 I can think of two gentlemen in particular. One, one, one has passed on about eight or nine years ago, but I knew him, you know, when I was a young deputy and, uh, yeah, he shared a few stories that, you know, they were, they weren't fun, uh, you know, and they weren't, um, like at the end of it, you didn't go, man, you're, you're a serious ass kicker kind of thing. No, at the end of it, you went, wow, like there, but for the grace of God, you know, we've all gone and you survived and so on. And another gentleman who retired, I think with 43 years on. Wow. That I know. Yeah. Still see him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I knew him for years before, um, you know, that I knew that, uh, you know, people, you know, who know me and know the area will know who it is, but that, you know, early in his career, he got stabbed between 20 and 30 times in an altercation with a guy who was just absolutely psychotic. Naked dude uh, may, had made this, like, knife from hell in the machine shop that he worked at. And, you know, here he comes along because it's the call of a native uh, of a naked guy in a yard. And it ends up being a fight both on their knees, on the asphalt, in the street. And he'd essentially, and I don't say this word lightly, he'd essentially been gutted mm. before he was able to, um, you know, uh, get to his uh, weapon and um, take shots. Mm-hmm. And and I will say that, like, his description of the gunshots and, and what happened and so on were, like, spooky. So there was no way to... You know, like he he didn't do this in any way, like like as a cool story. 
And, and I knew him for years before I ever heard the story. But the only reason it came up is because it came up in a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And I guess his brain said, okay, yeah, th- th- this might be proof valuable. Pass it on to the next generation yeah. of uh, I mean, police it, officers it was, and things was, like that. It, it was literally talking about slow motion as he, and as the, as the Smith and Wesson model 28 is going off. And he says that there's a street light down the street and he can see red mist in the street light. Mm. That's basically the exit, right? Stuff like that. And it, that it's just like, you know, your brain kind of takes it in and instantly can picture it. Right. And that guy never said a word about it until that day. So by and large, um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the, uh, telling war stories for war stories sake. Mm-hmm. If there's a, there's something useful there for somebody, share it, share it humbly. Uh, and, 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 you know, move on. It rem- reminds me of world war two veterans. You know, a lot yeah. of times they came back from the war and basically hung up their you know fatigues and went about normal life. And nobody realized really what they'd been through until, you know, people started asking them later in life, you know, right. some questions about it. And you know, that they felt at that time it was, you know, time for, you know, the next generation or their yeah. grandchildren to actually realize that, you know, war is not all pretty and, you know, as the movies make it sound, Absolutely. Not, sound, sound like, but actually, you know, how terrible it can be. And, you know, when they go along and describe some of that stuff, you go along, it's like, and you're still sitting here. It's like, wow. I mean, that's just amazing. And, yeah. you know, hopefully, you know, kind of, kind of puts a fear of God and also, you know, you know, the realization there is a God, because if you know, there wasn't a God, we probably all, you know, killed each other by now. And, you know, those, are, those are some of those things to where, you know, you want to pass it down and make sure the next generation, which are going to uh, have wisdom after they make a bunch of mistakes, maybe you can save them from making a bunch of mistakes or some of those mistakes uh, before they have all the wisdom. Very good. Yeah. You know, um, um, you know, I, as an undergrad, I was a history major and then I got my master's degree in criminal justice. I, I did everything backwards. I, I, I went, and then three months after I got my master's degree, I went into the police academy. I mean, it, <laughs> it, I don't recommend this, but, um, you know, the thing, the thing that I learned is like, you know, especially being a history major, it's like, uh, you know, the, the good, the good thing about this is that most problems, even law enforcement problems have happened before. Uh, some of these are not new problems. You know, uh, uh, and the question is, did you look up? Did you learn? Did you study? Did you go out and train and and find out? Well, when that happened in 1974 or in 1986 or even in 1934, how did it go down and how did it get solved? And really, there's not much difference. Mm-hmm. So when, when sometimes people look at it, it's like, oh, this is a new problem. No, it's not a new problem. What it is, is we have CNN. And everybody in the world knows about it within three minutes, whereas opposed to decades ago, they, they'd have never heard about it. So, um, you know, you, you have a guy who, uh, you know, is on a tall building and he's shooting people. You know, that's a tough nut to crack, but it's happened lots of times and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, before I forget, I'll, uh, you know, I, I want to circle back to the original question about, you know, good instructors. Mm-hmm. So let me let me say this. I think you, I have had really good instructors, um, that were, uh, completely, you know, non law enforcement. Uh, I've had instructors that were law enforcement instructors and I've had former military instructors, uh, that I've had all three types that were excellent. And I've had all three types that were less than excellent. <laughs> so there's not. There's not a particular uh, formula. Um, my friend Daryl Bolke the other day said, look, there's a magic trifecta that is very, very hard to find, which is guys with experience, guys who can articulate how to do something properly, not just be good at it, and then three, actually be good at it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, So uh, that, 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 that trifecta is very hard to find, and there aren't very many of them. But but they're out there. Um, they they are they are out there, and so it just pays to to um, to look around. Along with that, look, you don't need to find the magic trifecta. 
all the time. It all depends on what you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the expressions in our industry, which has become a cliche that kind of irritates me, but it has merit, which is stay in your lane. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard that so many times now. It's, it's, it's a cliche now. But the, the idea behind it is like, look, the, teach what, you know, you have data on or you, you've done or this or that. And so there's a certain amount of validity because you don't necessarily need the, the whole, the, the, the trifecta. Those guys are rare. And when you find them, train with them. But sometimes you train with, um, I've trained with Rob Latham twice. Okay. You know, um, the, 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 the best, highest trained military units that belong to this country have invited him to teach. Now, did they invite him to teach, to teach them, you know, tubular assault, you know, uh, airplanes, buses? No, mm-hmm. no. They, they got him there to teach him how do you shoot better, mm-hmm. right? And, and he, he does it almost better than anybody. And there are other guys that do it really well. Because those units, they don't get tactics from anybody. They make their own. Okay? Um, right. So I've trained with guys that just, that was their background. Other guys, it's like, you know, they were not great shooters, but they had a lot of experience, and they they were good at showing you how to approach a problem, how not to approach a problem, things like that. So you don't always need the trifecta, but a good instructor is a person who is teaching Something they're actually good at and deeply knowledgeable in. That's that's a rare combination, uh, but you know the instructors. You know that's that's what you want to find. Yeah, because they'll pass on that information to you. You know, not just hey, do it this way, but here's why you do it this way. Not just the what, yep. but also the why, which really helps out when it comes to adult learning and making sense yeah. to people. Very nice. And the last thing I think that's important is context. So like if you, you know, a guy may be a good instructor and is within his lane. The question is, is it, is it your lane? Mm-hmm. So there, uh, again, you know, we, the, the, you know, for lack of a better term, the global war on terror is, you know, is a good solid 20 years old now. There, there are guys that I've met that have experience that I, I, I just, I can almost can't take it in, but, um, I, I'm not taking anything away from them in any way, shape, or form. But if you are, you know, have a lot of experience of doing house-to-house assaults over and over, which is a job I've never had, nor do I ever want. That is not the person who, who perhaps can teach you how to mitigate uh, risk in terms of uh, de-escalating, in terms of how do you communicate with law enforcement after a deadly incident. Mm-hmm. That, that, that wasn't their job. Their job was the, you know, and I don't mean this frivolously, but kill people and break things. Yeah, their rules of engagement are different than the civilian uh, laws that we have to abide by. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that instructor. The question is, does it relate to you and you going to them? (laughs) Yes, very well, very well. Uh, well, Hey, Annie, I appreciate you coming on today, but we've been hit asking all our guests this year, a uh, special question. And that is, do you have a book or an influential instructor that you would recommend to other instructors that they should, you know, either train with or read something else like that to improve themselves? Uh, see, this is one of my biggest weak points in life. Uh, and uh, everyone who tells you that anyone that knows me, uh, will tell you that brevity is not one of my gifts. So how about we do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, how about we break it down into like three categories? So okay. if, uh, I, I, uh, there are other, there are other guys that are good at this. I've not trained with Jerry Wetzel, but Steve Moses has, and he's a huge fan of him for unarmed stuff, hand to hand stuff. But my experience was, has been with. Craig Douglas and Cecil Birch. Uh, those two guys I've learned a ton from of because it's hand-to-hand stuff that goes back and forth between weapons and not weapons as it's advantageous to you. So in that arena, those are the two guys that I have firsthand knowledge of and I think you should train with. Um, in terms of uh, skill of running a pistol and learning even a carbine, but especially a pistol, uh, I think Rob Latham is probably the best that I've ever trained with. 
in terms of overall weapons handling and probably Larry Vickers most as a uh, real hard marksmanship instructor who really teaches you how to practice. And then if you want like a good guy to go to, like I'm getting into the gun world and protecting myself, uh, you know, Clint Smith needs no endorsement from me. He's a legend, but I still think he does a great job of teaching you how to fight with a gun. And uh, for me, the one who I have much more experience with is Tom Givens. I think Tom is a gem and he is not nearly as well known as he should be. But you want to get into the gun world and learn how to fight with a gun. I think Tom Givens is one of the best guys there is. So okay. there, I gave you three categories, the best I can do. <laughs> okay. Well, I can honestly say, um, I think besides Jerry Wetzel, um, I've got all these guys on my list of, uh, people I'm, I want to train with eventually, you know, as, uh, I can get their courses and things like that. Uh, so. yeah, I, I like to brag a bit. Uh, um, when I last saw, um, Craig Douglas, he had an assistant with him to teach with and I, uh, a great dude. And, uh, uh when he, you know, Craig introduced him to me, I, I, I looked at the guy and I said, I've known Craig Douglas since there was a black thing over his eyes on his videos. <laughs> because at the time he was still a working narc mm -hmm. he, he had not retired yeah so uh, that was so that was the early 2000s so i consider myself an og in that area you know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah well craig craig douglas uh great hand-to-hand -hand stuff uh, keep yeah. reading all the stuff he's doing and uh it's just unfortunately he's not more around the ohio area but keep my eyes open for him maybe if he's listening to this maybe he'll maybe he'll uh you know come to ohio sometime we can, we can make something work. I'm sure if he's uh, willing, I, I, I'm sure that you can, uh, he, he does travel <laughs> a lot and, uh, uh, and, um, yeah, good, mm -hmm. good stuff. Good. Very good. Well, Andy, where can the instructors find more out about you and what you're doing these days? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I used to have my, um, own training company. Uh, and I did it for probably a good seven years. And it was, uh, I think it was North Texas tactical training. And I did that for a long time and I really enjoyed it. Um, but at the, at the time, the agency that I used to work for, I got promoted and I was like the number two guy and I had no time. And I was kind of burned out on many things in life, including teaching. So I kind of put it away and I didn't teach a civilian, uh, class for probably seven years. And then uh, Steve Moses, who is always a voice of wisdom, uh, basically at gunpoint was like, you're going to TACCON in 2019. And then uh, Steve's company, uh, Palisades Training Group, um, he was like, I need you to teach this for me. And I don't know how much of it he needed me to teach, but he got me to teach. And so the last couple of years, I've taught classes for PTG. Uh, specific classes like, uh, you know, a red dot pistol, uh, snubby classes, stuff that's a little bit specialized that I, I, I can do pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I'll continue to do that for him. And I have to say in the last six months, I've been seriously considering now that I've been doing that for a year and a half of hanging out my shingle again and going out and, and teaching privately again, because I, now that I've done maybe like four or five classes in the last year and a half, man, I enjoy it. Cause it's a completely different clientele than what I do day to day. Mm -hmm. So for now, um, uh, you can always find me on uh, PTG's website and they, they do a bunch of good training here in Texas. Uh, otherwise. So, okay, good. Well, I'll, uh, I will have links to uh Palisade training group from Steve Moses, uh, on the show notes. And you're also going to be at the uh, guardian conference, uh, coming up I in uh, yeah. September and such. And, uh, yeah. it'd be a great place if anybody wants to train with you or Steve Moses yeah, yeah. or, uh, you know, Brian Eastridge, you know, Larry Vickers, there's a lot of people are going to be out there, big, big names and yeah. uh, great, great, uh, experience across the board that you can yeah, I'm really looking a, forward uh, sampling to of a lot of, a lot of different training. Yeah, it, you know, this has been a really interesting year, you know, COVID and all and all that. And I, I you know, Tom asked me to teach a block at TACCON, and I did. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm going to do one at the Guardian Conf Conference. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to all those things. Um, again, uh, doing it, some of it again, I can't tell you how rewarding it's been. It's like I'd forgotten what it was like uh, to teach paying customers. Mm -hmm. who are 
bare of their own volition, money, time, etc., and want to learn. Not to say that that doesn't happen in law enforcement. They're just a smaller percentage. Mm-hmm. And then seeing the light so, bulbs go off on yeah. these, uh, on whatever topic you're teaching. That That is, yep. uh, that that, is re- that's a rewarding part of it, being an instructor, that's for sure. Okay. Sir, this has been a pleasure. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast and sharing your wisdom and the viewers, uh, questions, uh, for it, because obviously, uh, you know, it was one of those questions where I'd faced it, you know, early in my career and teaching. And when he brought it up, it's like, you know, I re- I've just assumed everybody else has already, you know, addressed it themselves. But, um, you know, when it's on a listener's mind, it's uh, something good to talk about. Cause I'm sure if there's one, there's probably a hundred that are wondering the same thing as they're getting into, uh, being new firearm instructors and such. So that's great. Really appreciate having you on anytime, uh, sir. That's a wrap for this episode. And we have a few requests. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering, and entries do not carry over from week to week. This week's winner is Joshua C., and they won a draw like a pro. Next week's prize is a SWAT team. Remember, visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for this week's prize giveaway. And... Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email us at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Remember to check out the Guardian Conference on September 17th through 19th in Oklahoma City for an opportunity to take training from guests we've had on this podcast to improve yourself and the training you offer your students. Go to guardianconference.com for more information. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.